the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. He is preaching today from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. For as we all know, he, Christ, does not take hold of the fallen angels to give them a helping hand, but he does take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham, extending to them his hand of deliverance. Therefore, it was essential that he had to be made like his brothers, mankind, in every respect, so that he might, by experience, become a merciful and faithful high priest in things related to God, to make atonement, propitiation for the people's sins, thereby wiping away the sin, satisfying divine justice, and providing a way of reconciliation between God and mankind, because he himself, in his humanity, has suffered In being tempted, he is able and provide immediate assistance to those who are being tempted and exposed to suffering. You may be seated. Now, the author of Hebrews is attempting in this section to show how Jesus is superior to the angels. And that's important because he's dealing with a fellowship of Hebrews, converted Hebrews, who were beginning to return to Judaism, who were beginning to forsake the new covenant and re-embrace the old, entering into the sacrifices of the temple and the rituals of the temple. Now, as we know, or as we've discussed, the Jews had high regard for angels because the old covenant was mediated through angels, And God had, in fact, given charge of the earth over to the angels after the fall in the garden. Because it was originally intended for man to have dominion over the earth. But sin messed that up as it had many things. So in attempting to show that, he is going to explain to the Jewish audience why Jesus was superior to the angels... And the question arises, well, why, if Jesus is superior, why was Jesus mortal? And how could a mortal be superior to immortal angels? 
So the author is explaining why Jesus had to be made as men in flesh and blood, and he addresses this in verses 14 and 15, which we discussed last week. And it says there, Therefore, since these, his children, share in flesh and blood the physical nature of mankind, he himself, in a similar manner, also shared in the same physical nature, but without sin." So that through experiencing death, he might make powerless, ineffective, impotent him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and that he might free all those through, who through the haunting fear of death were held in slavery throughout their lives. It was necessary for Christ to be made like us in order that he may face the trials that men face, in order that he may suffer death as men suffer death and endure what men suffer and endure. Now, it's always interesting, at least I was when I was reading this and I was going over all that the author goes through throughout the book of Hebrews to prove to this group, this fellowship, the superiority of Christ in so many different ways. And the first thing that occurs to me is God doesn't have to prove anything. There's nothing that he has to prove. All that he is doing is he's condescending so that you know how much he loves you. That's what it's all about. He doesn't owe an explanation to anyone. He doesn't have to make sure you figure it out. He doesn't have to explain it to you, give you all the nuances, the background, the history. Yet throughout the Word of God, He is going back and forth, proving through history and through the lives of men the truth of His love for us. Wow! I don't know how many times I have sought to try to impress something on somebody, and they just were not going to have it. They just were not going to get it. And eventually you just say, well, okay, fine. God doesn't do that. He pursues. He continually woos us. What a God. It's amazing to me. We so oftentimes feel like we're doing God a favor when we study his word. We feel like he should be blessed that we show up at church. I mean, after all, if he only knew what we had to go through to get here. In reality, what a blessing that we have a God that patiently waits on us again and again and again, patiently calls to us. He patiently moves towards us in love. It was necessary that he be made like us, that he may face the trials of men, that he may suffer and endure what man suffers and endures, that he may feel all that we feel in a lifetime. There is not a single area of your life in your soul, your emotions, your thoughts, your genetic makeup, the weaknesses, the strengths of your life, your understanding, the depth of your intellect, the shallowness of your intellect, your inability to embrace something or to know something or to do something, all of your weaknesses, all of your failures, all of your successes, in every aspect of your being, there is nothing that Jesus does not know experientially. If you're going to know Jesus, are you going to know him through your intellect or experientially? He wants us to know experientially. Why? Because that's what relationships are built on. 
in the same way. He wants us to know him experientially. He came to know us experientially. He clothed himself in man's humanity. He clothed himself in man's weakness. And he experienced what you only experience in part. Do you know that? You only experience the trials and circumstances of life in part. You know how I know that? You're a child of God. You live in the grace of God. The grace of God attends you. He is surrounding you. You do not bear all of what comes against you. He holds you. You could not identify with the depth of suffering that Christ endured. But he can identify with you. And he did it all willingly. He endured it all, even death, willingly. Many, especially children, believe that obedience is being made to do something you don't want to do. But that's not what, how God defines obedience, is it? Obedience is embracing the will of God with the whole of your being, desiring his will more than your own. And you're saying, I can't do that. You are lying to yourself. You have bought the lie of the enemy. How do I know that? Well, Ezekiel will tell you that you have a new heart. It's a heart unto obedience. It's given by God, complete with the character of God. It is the same heart with which Jesus fulfilled the obedience to his father. That's how I know that you are capable of obedience, not in part, but in whole. Because he has equipped you. But your soul can lie to you. And the accuser can lie to you. And you can believe that you aren't who you are. And you can embrace the appetites of the flesh. But they are not who you are. And when God says go and do. You need to recognize it's not just God's will. It's your heart. Go and do. Be blessed. Fulfill who you were made to be. There was a time that Jesus struggled with his own soul. The man who was completely obedient in all things struggled within himself in the garden of Gethsemane. Yet he yielded and he said, not my will, but thy will be done in Matthew 26. A heart of obedience makes you, your obedience, an extension of who you are in Christ. It is not contrary to who we are. It is Christ in you to walk by the Spirit in obedience. Let's look at verse 16. For as we all know, he, Christ, does not take hold of the fallen angels to give them a helping hand, but he does take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham, extending to them his hand of deliverance. You will notice that that phrase, take hold of, twice, and depending on your translation, it may not be there. But take hold of is the definition, and it is the Greek word epilambotomai, epilambotomai. And it means to seize. Now listen to this. It means to seize or take hold of with your hands in order to rescue from peril, to save, or to take possession of. That's what it means. Now, this illustrates the point that God did not seek to save or to rescue an angel, but he did seek to save the seed of Abraham. The Greek word epilambotomai is also used in Matthew 14, chapter 14, where 
Jesus is coming to the disciples across the water and they are laboring against the storm in the boat and he walks on the water and he gets up close and Peter says, it's the Lord beckoning me to come unto you. And he steps out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus and then he sees the wind and the rain and the waves and he starts to sink and he cries out and he says, Lord, save me. And the Lord, epi Labodamai reaches down and pulls him up. Could Peter save himself? Did Peter have any hope of saving himself? An interesting thing about that is the same God that allowed the storm saved him from the storm. We don't endure anything except that it comes through the hand of God. Epi Labodamai. He takes hold of us to save us before we can save ourselves. He helps us when we cannot help ourselves, but he helps us all the time. We are born in his help. He took hold of us. He lifted us up to take possession of us. He took hold of the descendants of Abraham, which includes all who believe. Romans 4.16 Therefore, inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith, that is, confident trust in the unseen God, in order that it may be given as an act of grace, his unmerited favor and mercy, so that the promise will be legally guaranteed to all descendants of Abraham, not only for those Jewish believers who keep the law, but also for the Gentile believers who share the faith of Abraham, who is the spiritual father of all of us. Jesus, the God-man, became our Savior in order for us to be redeemed. He must become one of us because that's how he saves us. That's how he knows us. That's how he becomes the faithful high priest to us. I read for you last week, and my wife read for you last week, Elizabeth Browning's poem, The Seraphim, in which the seraphim are watching the Lord Jesus completing the work of salvation, the salvation of men. And one of them looks at the host of the ransomed soul, and that is the church. And he says, Hereafter shall the blood-bought captives raise their passion song of blood. And the other seraph replies, We extend our holy hands towards the throne, crying, We have no music. We have a song before the throne of God that the angels cannot sing. We have a song that sings of our salvation. They will continue to sing of God's holiness we will sing of his salvation. Verse 17. Therefore, it was essential that he be made like his brothers, mankind, in every respect, so that he might, by experience, become a merciful and faithful high priest in things related to God, to make atonement, propitiation for the people's sins, thereby wiping away the sin, satisfying divine justice, and providing a way of reconciliation between God and man. It was essential that Jesus be made like his brothers. That would be all of you, if you're a child of God. If you are a child of God, you've been made like he is, a spirit in union, his spirit in union with your spirit, clothed in humanity. He had to become as we are in every respect, yet without sin, so that through his experience as a man, he might become a merciful 
and faithful high priest in things related to God. In the Old Testament, we read about the high priest. We read about the Levites and the priests, the sons of priests, and the spiritual representatives of the people. Aaron was a representative of the people. Moses also belonged to the priestly family. He was of the Levitical tribe. And what did the priest do? Well, first of all, he offered sacrifice. He made propitiation. That's the atonement. That was his duty. And secondly, he made intercession. He offered the sacrifices, but he also offered the intercession. He offered sacrifice for the seed of Abraham, and he prayed for the seed of Abraham. In other words, the offering of the sacrifice always accompanied the offering of intercession. He bore on his chest the names of the tribes of Israel. Our great high priest is the priest for the seed of Abraham. We are children of Abraham by faith. And if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our high priest. The priest made intercession. He also taught the word of God. And the priests were the teachers of the word of God. And they blessed the people. They communicated the blessings of God. Do you see any role in there that Jesus is fulfilling in your life? All of them. Every one of them. He is our atonement. He is our salvation. He is our blessing. He is our intercession. That's Jesus, our great and merciful high priest. All of that comes through him. Those were the functions of the priesthood. And now in the context of the new covenant, they're every one of them being fulfilled by our Lord Jesus. He also came to make atonement propitiation for the people's sin, thereby wiping away the sin, satisfying divine justice, and providing a way of reconciliation between God and mankind. Jesus made full atonement, satisfying a holy, righteous, and just God completely. God doesn't even remember your sins because they have nothing to do with who you are now. You are born again if you're a Christian. Every trespass and word, thought, or deed that was ever before him died with Christ. We who were separated from God because we were born in sin, we who at one time lived to fulfill our fleshly appetites, we who were wicked in our every expression, because of Jesus we have been made new, we have been made righteous and holy, children of God, no longer living in separation, but literally made to live in union with the Spirit of God, in the very presence of the Most High, for eternity. That's who we are. Because he himself and his humanity has suffered in being tempted He is able to help and provide immediate assistance to those who are being tempted and exposed to suffering. That word tempted is perazzo in the Greek, and it has more to do with trials and testing. It also implies choices. So he he faced every trial that we would face in our humanity. He faced wickedness. Weakness, sickness, insecurity, rejection, fear, doubt, being overwhelmed, being threatened, injustice, every human experience confronted our Lord. All, yet in all things, he held to the Father by faith. He knows your pain better than you do. 
And as I mentioned earlier, he knows it better, so much better. And the fact that you don't know it to the degree that he does is that margin of grace that he has bestowed upon you. He not only knows it experientially, because he at one time walked in humanity, he walked upon the earth as a man, but he knows it intimately because he is your life. Do you ever get the idea that when you're going through a trial, circumstance, deep kind of pain, grief, whatever it is you're going through, that you feel like somehow you must explain it all to God. You must tell God how badly you're hurting. That's fine. That's fine. But I do need to understand something. He is your life. And that doesn't mean he sits back and watch you endure. That literally means that in life he shares with you all that you go through. That you don't go through anything alone. And neither do your loved ones. That in their suffering, his life is attending them. He knows the depth of your pain. And here's the neat thing about him. Is that he will endure with you. And his grace will hold you. And as your soul cries out, Lord, save me. He will take hold of you. Doesn't mean he'll quiet the storm. But it does mean you can know that you're held fast by his love and his life. He bears with you in all things. You endure nothing alone. You do not stand because of his sympathy. You stand because he holds you up. He has taken hold of you and you are his own. His sympathy is not with your weakness. It is with your pain. It is with your suffering. It is your weakness that causes you to know his strength. His assistance is not delivering you from circumstance. It is enabling you to endure with confidence. He is our faithful high priest and our atonement. I'm so grateful. It's not the same as having someone externally sympathize, is it? It's not the same as having a doctor who comes alongside of you in illness and patches you externally, gives you the attaboy, things are looking good. It's not the same as the friend who comes and puts his arm around you and says, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. All of those things are wonderful. But give me a high priest who literally is my life, who is in union with my soul, who is feeling the depths of my pain, who guards me with his grace, who does never leave me nor look away from me. Who doesn't feel that he has literally exhausted his resources in helping me. But lives with me moment by moment in everything that I endure. Give me that high priest. Who knows? Who knows my faith failed? Who knows I stumble and fall? Who knows I make mistakes? Who knows that I often deny the very thing that's holding me together. Yet he is there, loving me, attending to me. I can remember a good bit of my Christian life. I always felt like when I needed him most, I needed to make sure that I got right with him so that he would be there. It's almost like when you have company coming, you know, you clean up the house 
and it looks like it never does normally. And so you invite them in, and I'm sure they look around and say, wow, don't you keep a clean house all the time? (laughs) I've got a God that knows me, and I don't even have to make the bed. He is there, and he loves me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have made such a way for us. Not for us to drag ourselves along in the rags of our old sinful nature, but to walk in the robes of righteousness in Christ, to walk in the train of the victor, to live in the presence of the Most High, to worship you, to live a life that literally honors you, to be blessed and to bless, to know the fullness of your love, to have eternity to explore the richness and the abundance of all that you are to us, and to know that there is not a single day that we are separate, that nothing in heaven or on earth or below the earth can ever separate us from the love that has united us in union with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.